Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Put your finger there and then flip over to Romans uh, chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 uh, for us going uh, forward. I want to ask you this question. What if? What if you had made decisions that were different in your life? What if instead of giving in to fear, you chose to step out in faith and walk forward and do something that maybe you look back and wish you would have done? What if you would have chosen a certain path or a certain destination or a certain way and, and, and it would have led you down a different way of life? What if? And as you think about that what if, I want to ask you that question because here is the reality. We are all in a state and we're in a position in our lives that we could say, what if? What if I would have made a different decision? What if I would have done something that I wish I would have done that I, I didn't do? What if I would have just walked out in faith? And over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be doing a sermon series called Own the Vision. And the challenge is this, all right? What would your life look like if you had made a different choice or different choices? And the question I ask you is this. The reason why I ask is because everybody who's a part of the church is a part of the vision, is a part of the mission. See, the mission is set from the get-go. God's mission doesn't change. He doesn't go, okay, hey, for this church, your mission is this, while this other church over here, their mission's gonna be different. The mission is always the same. It always has been the same. It's always going to be the same. The mission is what we just saw. Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 said to go and make disciples. So we're gonna be covering uh, over the next couple of weeks, owning the vision. And if you've been here for a while, maybe you've heard it said over and over and over again, or maybe if you've gone through our new members class, you've heard the statement, uh, believe, belong, become, be sent. But we're going to be covering those four words over the next four weeks to let you in on and hopefully become part of ownership on the vision. We want everybody to own the vision of the church. And so when I ask you that, what would it look like if you had taken a different job, or maybe if you moved in a different direction, or what if it looked like if you took a chance on a friendship with somebody else, or maybe what if you took a stand for something, or maybe you stood against something? What if you stood up for the rights of an individual who in the past was maybe bullied or beat down? What if you decided to stand for truth when everybody else was saying what you believed was wrong? What would be different? How would the outcome in your life look? What would those different choices have led you to in impacting the world? See, my goal is not to get you to second guess the choices you made, but rather to get you to think about how your choices impact the kingdom. Every decision we make impacts the kingdom, whether it may be in a positive way or a negative way. And so owning the vision is simply that. We want everybody in our church, everybody who's a part of our church, not just to understand the vision, but to own the vision. And here's the question I really have to ask is, ownership is different than just mere working, is it not? A matter of fact, if you've never been an owner of something, you may have a bad view of ownership. And as a matter of fact, if you were a person who's worked for somebody all your life and you've never been the boss or manager, you may have a bad view of what it likes, what, what it means to be the owner. But ownership really means that you have a greater responsibility and you have a vested interest in what's taking place. You have a greater responsibility and you have a vested interest 
in what's taking place. That is ownership. And so when I talk about owning the vision, when we bring that up, ownership means you have a greater responsibility and you have a vested interest in what's taking place within the church. And what we need, and I'm just going to throw this out there. What if every member in the church served in a ministry? What if every member of the church gave consistently out of the overflow of their heart? What if every member of the church didn't wait upon somebody else to make the decision to schedule a program, but made it about going and making disciples where you're already at? See, the reality of that, that, that video that we just watched is that's the mission of the church. And what I'm convinced of is that we as a church have become so bogged down, not just our church, we as a church in America have been so bogged down by programs and events and filling the calendar that when it comes to making disciples, when it comes to the very mission that Jesus called us to do, guess what gets pushed to the back burner? Now, I'm not trying to speak out and say I'm against programs. We can use programs to make disciples. But the reality is this. Usually when it comes to ownership within the church, when it comes to owning the vision of the church, the numbers decrease. We'll we'll own the pews, we'll own the paint color, we'll own the building, we'll own what's going to say, we're going to own having our say in a business meeting, but we don't own the vision. And owning the vision is something different. Why? Because ownership takes responsibility, means I have a greater responsibility, and ownership means I have a vested interest of what's taking place. So I'm taking part in that mission. See, our series over the next few weeks is going to be focused on taking ownership in the vision of the church. And so I ask, what would the church look like if we focused on multiplying and making disciples rather than being happy we came to church? Because the reality is, and I know if you are like most everybody else, the reality is we're just happy if we made it to attend. God should be happy. God, you should be proud. I got up this morning and I came to church. So get off my back. You Right? You know, it's like, like get off. What do you want out of me? But I want you to see is this, what would the church look like if we focused on multiplying and making disciples? What would the community look like if the influence of Christians changed the poverty level within our community? What it would look like if the broken families and broken homes were changed as a result of how the church made disciples? Or what would it look like if addictions and violence and bigotry and racism and hatred and loneliness were all broken down because of the influence and impact of the church on its community? And the reality is that's not built upon programs. That's built upon us making disciples, each and every one of us. And so the call and the mission is the same for everybody, regardless of what church you go to, regardless of what you may believe doctrinally as far as speaking in tongues and whether I can or can't lose my salvation and all these things, the mission remains the same. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28. We do this. I try and focus on this once a year because I think it's vitally important because here's the deal. The mission is the goal. The mission is the goal. And we're going to look at what the mission is right here in Matthew chapter 28. But the vision, owning the vision, the vision is the way we accomplish the goal. It's the, the, the way we get to the finish line. And so Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 18, it says this. 
And you can follow along reading with me on the screen. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of what? All nations. So let me just clarify real quick. I know we've already took this stance. We've already, go, we're going to stand on this. We always will stand on this. As a matter of fact, one of the things I hope we become, I believe we're already moving in that direction, but I believe that it's something we, we should become, was that a church that is multiracial, multiethnic, and multinational. Why? Because that's what Jesus was about. We have our Hispanic church that we have helped plant. We support. We don't charge them rent. They're doing a great job. They're starting to reach. They're reaching younger people. They run about 45. The church should be multinational. So this is what he says. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. There is no room for racism. There is no room for you to think you are better than somebody else. There is no room for that anywhere whatsoever within the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if a church lives by that and stands on that, that church will be successful in what they do. We are to make disciples of all nations, not just America, not just white people, not just Hispanic people, not just black people, but all nations. I go back to Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, or no, not, not sorry, not that one. But yeah, Jesus loves the little children. My bad. See, it's been that long enough. I've been out of nursery long enough that, you know, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. So here's the reality. Here's what takes place. In order to be a church that's on the mission, we have to begin to ask this question. What if, we made disciples of all nations. What if I made disciples at my work? What if I made disciples of the people I run into on a daily basis? And listen, here's the problem in today's American church. Most of us function or think, the minute I say making disciples, you automatically think that means you gotta go into a classroom, you gotta be the teacher, and everybody else has to shut up. The reality of that is this, that's not at all what was meant in the Bible. Because most of the times making disciples meant you were walking through life and as you're going through life, as you are working, as you are relating with those who are lost, guess what you do? You speak about who Jesus is. You tell them about the love of Jesus. You let them know what Jesus stands for. You let them know what the church is meant to do, what the church should be doing. You let them know what is good and what is right and what is righteous under the very guise of what Jesus says in the scripture. You have to begin to understand that everything is built upon what God teaches us through his word. And so when Jesus, of all things, the very thing he leaves his disciples who have spent three years with him, as he's going back up to heaven, he's already rose again, he ascending to heaven to go back to the Father, and he leaves them this one last thing. I want you to go and make disciples. Discipleship is the very thing that we all should be a part of. And here is the big picture. In the American church, we have separated discipleship and evangelism out into two different things. When Jesus said, go and make disciples. Evangelism is discipleship. 
Evangelism is just telling people about who Jesus is. And so when he says to go and make disciples, he's literally calling us, make disciples of all nations. And as you make disciples, we're gonna baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we practice when we do baptism. And so what if, or what would the church look like if we all focused on that? What would the community look like? What would our city look like? look like? What would the state look like? What would our nation look like? And likewise, what would the world look like if we focused on that? If we made it about making disciples. See, the mission of the church has always been the same for centuries. Hasn't changed. It's not going to change. But the vision of the church is unique to some churches. Every church has a unique vision. And the vision helps us accomplish what we believe God has called us to do. So if you remember anything, I want you to remember this. This is the key statement, the key point. Ownership means I am invested in the mission of the church by leading out and making disciples. I hope you get that because that's not the pastor's job. I know a lot of people think, well, that's the pastor's job. Pastor makes disciples and we do everything else. No, 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 no. What did he say? I'm leaving this to you. Go and make. He didn't say I'm doing this just for pastors. He didn't say I'm doing it just for the apostles. He didn't say this is the only thing that we're going to do. If you go all the way through the book of Acts, the very people who came to Christ, who followed Christ, went out and led people to Christ. It's making disciples. And so when we talk about ownership and owning the vision, what I want you to see is this. Our vision as a church, is to lead people to believe the truth of Jesus Christ first and foremost. That is what we want to see happen in their lives. When people come to Jesus, then as a result of their relationship with Christ, we teach them to obey everything he's commanded. We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then they are released to go and reach who? Their friends. Somehow, though, we got this all screwed up because what we did is said, well, you can't go out and reach people yet because you don't know enough. You, you got to know it first. And the problem is we end up taking people and we end up like getting everything out of them, washing everything away from them, and then we tell them, no, you can't hang out with those people anymore. And we wonder why the influence of the church has vanished within the public square. We ask people to separate out from culture. And Jesus said to be in the world, but not of the world. So we live amongst people. We relate with the people. We connect with the people. And we preach to the people. We stand on that. So listen to what's going to take place. If you flip over to Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, we're going to be in verses Uh, 8 through 15. Romans chapter 10, 8 through 15. And we're going to jump into what we are talking about. Remember, ownership means increased responsibility and you have a vested interest. All right? There is interest in what's going on. And so when you own the vision, you have an increased responsibility to the vision and you have a vested interest in the vision. 
not just for your own personal benefit, for the benefit of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God would grow and multiply and multiply itself out. As a matter of fact, I've told you from the get-go that one of the things we wanted to focus on was being a church that not just focuses on our church, but focuses on seeing other churches grow and come to know or, or come to reach their community. That's one of the things we focus on. We want to be about that. We want to multiply disciples and we want to multiply churches. So that's part of owning the vision. But listen to Romans chapter 10, starting in verse nine. It says this, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be what? You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never, that's talking about Jesus, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then? Can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul knew exactly what it meant to follow Christ. Paul was called out by Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Paul had been a person who had lived a certain life, who was adamantly religious, who was obedient to the law, the Pharisee among Pharisees, and yet he was called out from that, and he takes ownership of the vision that God called him to do, and that was to make disciples of all nations. Paul understood that. Paul believed that, and so when we talk about this, ownership means I have invested in the mission and the church by leading out and making disciples, and so I want to ask you this question just very simply. Are you making disciples? Don't make it so complicated. Making a disciple is simply talking to people about Jesus, what you know about Jesus, what you experience day in and day out as you read God's word, as you spend time in prayer. Making a disciple may be a process that takes a couple years for some of the people, especially it depends on where they're at in a spiritual sense. They may be a person who hates the church, who wants nothing to do with God. As a matter of fact, with everything that's been going on down in Houston, I've seen a number of posts. Number one uh, was a, an atheist guy posted something about, you're, you're gonna tell me you believe in a God who just did all of this to Houston. And, and I'm gonna tell you, matter of fact, you can go and look at my Facebook page. I think I shared the video. Greg Mott, who's the pastor at First Baptist Houston, uh, had a great video uh, where he was interviewed by a headline news um, and his answer. And I mean, he just preached the gospel right there on headline news. I'm like, this is on national news. You know, she's like, well, how can you? And he's like, well, you know, we're just going to point people at this. Through every misery is a ministry that God wants you to perform. Through your lowest times, God wants you to experience the highest joys because he can use you where you're at. And I just want to encourage you with this. And so how do I take ownership in the vision? That's the question we're going to ask. Ownership means I'm invested in the mission, but how do I take ownership? Number one, I have to believe in Jesus for salvation first and foremost. Now, that's the starting point. And for everybody who may be a believer already, you may say, well, that's great, grand, wonderful, Brian. I've already made that decision. I've already been baptized. But here's the question I want to ask. And I'm not talking about losing salvation, but do you preach the gospel to yourself day in and day out? 
Do you realize the necessity for Jesus Christ in your life day in and day out? Not that you lose your salvation like, oh, I gotta come back and repent and be baptized because I lost. No, I'm not talking about that. Do you believe it though? Do you really believe it? Because if you really believe that, I believe this wholeheartedly, you really believe it. You believe it deep down in your heart according to what he says. Listen, he says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. If you believe it, why does your mouth stay silent? Why do we allow the very things of this world to choke us, to be quiet, if we truly believe it deep down in our heart. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe he rose again. He offers me life and life more abundantly and he offers it to everybody else. If we truly believe it, why do we stay silent? Because the reality is, if you really believe the chiefs are the best team, you don't stay silent about that, do we? Which I don't have a problem with that, but (laughs) I know. (laughs) I was waiting for that. So, but listen, here's the reality. If we truly believe it, why remain silent? Look at Romans chapter 10 again for that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Here's the reality of what that means. Ownership of the vision means that I understand and I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid the price for my sins that I couldn't pay for myself. There is nothing I can do to bribe God. There's no good works I can do to earn God's grace. God's grace comes through nothing on my own. God's grace is just simply his mercy and his riches poured out on me, not based upon anything I can do, but solely based upon Jesus Christ alone. And so I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe that and I confess it, that he rose again. See, when I believe in Jesus for salvation, I understand the beginning of the vision. And our vision is very simple, that we want to lead people to believe the truth of Jesus Christ, that Jesus does not look at somebody based upon race religious background, where they were brought up, or anything like that. Jesus looks at them very simply like this. You are either a child of God, bought, purchased, and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, and you have put your faith and trust in him, therefore you relate to him as a child, or you're not. It can't be one or the other. And listen, to me, in today's world of political correctness, there is such a thing as truth. Regardless of what media wants to say, regardless of what people want to say, there is a thing with which we identify the truth. And the truth is based upon the very simple fact that Jesus said that. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, you either have to acknowledge that as truth or you're acknowledging Jesus as a liar. Matter of fact, I'll even recommend a great book. We give it away to our first-time guests. It's in there. It's called More Than a Carpenter written by a guy named Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell, when he was a teenager, set out to disprove God after about three years of research and evaluation, avoiding college so he could disprove Jesus Christ, everything about it. Josh McDowell came to Christ and as a result has really turned into one of the, a, a good apologist, an apologetics person who has defended Christ. And he wrote a book called More Than a Carpenter. And he says, Jesus is either Lord, that is, he says who he says he is, 
that he died on the cross, he rose again, and there's no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. He's a liar, which means he's one heck of a good liar, or he's an absolute lunatic because he died for something that's not even real. And I would even challenge you to read that book. It's very simple. It's about that thick, very short, simple pages. But I would read that book more than the carpenter because the reality is in order to own the vision, I have to believe in Jesus for salvation first and foremost. And listen to what he says. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Remember the Bible says how the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's with my heart that I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe that he died. He paid the price for my sins. And when he did that, he went to the cross bearing my sins. He went to the grave carrying those sins with him. But those sins, just like baptism signifies, those sins stayed down there. And when he rose again, he offers me life and life more abundantly in Christ. He offers me the new life that baptism signifies. That when I'm dead, I am buried and I'm raised to walk in a new life. And so when I believe in Christ, when I'm baptized in Christ, when I grow in the relationship with Jesus Christ, then I can take ownership of the vision. That means that I see that God's mission for me is not something that's just to add money in my pockets. It's not something to just build a great family, but my, that God's mission mission for me is to make disciples in whatever way, shape, or form that means. If that means I go in the military and I reach guys when I'm in the military, if that means I'm a union worker and I'm working on the job and I'm going to reach guys on the job, if that means I'm a banker, then I bank to the best of my banking ability to reach the people at the bank. If that means I work at Walmart, then I work at Walmart to the best of my ability. If it means I'm playing softball on a Sunday night or on a Wednesday night, guess what that means? I play the softball to the best of my ability to make disciples of the very people that I relate with on a day in and day out basis. And I just want you to take ownership in that because when the whole church takes ownership of making disciples, guess what happens? It's called a natural thing. That God does a supernatural thing in your life because you are faithful and obedient to what he's called you to do. And guess who experiences the benefit? You have a vested interest And that interest is not just the fact that you get the benefit of seeing others come to Christ, but you know what else you get the benefit of? To see the kingdom of God grow. To see the church grow. To see those people. And here's the beauty of it. Here's here's the thing that I think is the the best thing about seeing people come to Christ. When you lead somebody to Christ, that's like a whole nother level. It's a great feeling. But you know what's even better feeling? When that person you led to Christ leads another person to Christ, because now you're like, oh, dude, they get it. They, they, they've got the ownership down. They have, they have a vested interest. They realize their responsibility. Ownership is a responsibility. When you own your faith, there's a responsibility in your faith, and there's a vested interest in your faith. And so owning the vision just simply means being obedient to what God has called you to do in the first place. So he's called us to make disciples. Our vision is just simply to lead us in the direction to making disciples. We want to see people believe the truth of Jesus Christ first and foremost. Why? Because that's the beginning of life. Everybody thinks the beginning of life is like when I get a good job or when I get married or when I have kids, when the reality is the beginning of life is when you experience Christ first and foremost for yourself. 
And so we want you to take ownership. We want you to understand that we can acknowledge Jesus as Lord of our life and we can benefit from the very fact of what he wants to do in us. So ownership means I'm invested in the mission of the church by leading out and making disciples. And listen to what he says. Verse 14, number two, how do I take ownership? We have to take the good news of Jesus to others. Listen to what he says. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, in a world distraught over hatred and violence and the chaos of war, we need people who are going to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. That's the literal truth of what we are seeing here. How can they call on the one they have not believed in and they have not heard in? They need to hear. And the reality is, whether you grew up in an America that understood who Jesus is, what we're seeing now is that people do not understand who Jesus is. Or if they do, they think they might as a result of maybe things they've experienced in the past, when the reality is a lot of times they don't really know who Jesus is. The only way to know who Jesus is, is to preach. Now, before you go on and say, well, yeah, that's great. You're called to be the preacher. So see, you're asking me to do what Jesus is telling you to do. No, no, that's, that's the problem where we get. Because did you know that the word preach actually means just to announce it? to herald it. Matter of fact, you might remember back in the day, like the old, uh, I don't know, medieval times or something, you know, where the, the squire would go out to, the, to the, the, the town center and he would unroll the, the parchment from the king and he would say what? Hear ye, hear ye, by order of the king and blah, 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 blah. That's, what it, that's the proclamation or the heralding of what we're talking about. And so how do I relate or how do I take the good news of Jesus Christ to others? I just got to proclaim it. And it doesn't have to be by a bullhorn and it doesn't have to be on a box out in the city square and it doesn't have to be something that you're gonna be standing and preaching to 150 people. Matter of fact, I would even say this. A lot of times it happens even better in a small group. You and your buddies sitting around at work. Somebody starts talking about something. You go like, you know, that reminds me. Now they might get annoyed after a while or they may just brush you off or blow you off and say, I'm not going to listen to it. But the question is this, how can they believe if they've never heard? If they never hear, they're never going to believe. And here's what my worry is. Sometimes we look and we'll go, well, you know, God will work things out. Yeah, yeah, God, God will work things out. But if you'll always remember all throughout Scripture that God chose people, God called people, God qualified people that he wanted to use in order to do that. And the reality is, based upon Scripture, God always used people to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Can he work in other ways? Yeah. Can he work through dreams? Yep. Can he work through videos? Yep. Can he work through accidents and, and destruction and, and, you know, mother nature and all of those things? Yep. Yeah, he can. But think about this. Just with what went on in Houston now, the church could respond in one of two ways. 
Uh, we're not going to meet the needs of people. We're going to stay to ourselves. God will work it out. He's going to reach them. Or the church can what? Proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in the midst of one of the worst tragedies in United States history. One of the worst natural disasters. And God can use a church that is obedient to what God has called them to do. Why? Because they own the vision. There are churches like crazy rising up around the city of Houston that are taking the good news of the gospel. And First Baptist Houston is just the beginning because when I saw the interview, I was like, man, that's awesome. Greg Mott, who's actually the pastor there, I'm guessing, I don't know, he's probably upper 40s. He became the youngest pastor at First Baptist Houston. I think at the time he was 33 or 34 when he became pastor there. Um, he preached or spoke to the men the summer I met Sarah. They did a men's group and a women's group, this college thing down in New Mexico, and, and he spoke at it. He started a ministry at Texas A&M University called Breakaway Ministries, started a simple Bible study in his dorm, grew to over 12,000 students in two years. <laughs> it was like, and Greg goes, dude, my whole goal was just to make disciples. I was meeting like with two guys in my dorm room and it grew to four, then it grew to eight, then it was 16. Within a couple months, we were at like 30. So we decided to go get a room. The next thing we know, or a, a, a room to meet, a larger room. And it's the next thing you know, it had grown to over 12,000 a week. Now, Texas A&M is obviously a big campus. I think there are about 60,000 students. But can you imagine 12,000 students showing up at a college ministry for a guy who wasn't even getting paid. Now, he could have said, well, you know what? I haven't been called the pastor yet, so I'm just not going to do this. Or he'd just simply make disciples. And so what I challenge you with is this. If you're a believer, take ownership of the vision that God has given to make disciples to lead people to believe the truth of Jesus Christ. If that means you got to meet somebody at Starbucks on a Monday morning at 6 a.m. before work and they're willing to do it, then meet at Starbucks Monday morning at 6 a.m. and tell them, hey, I just want to sit down. Let's talk. Let's talk life. Let's talk relationships. Can we talk? And, and bring up spiritual things. Bring up who Jesus is in your life, what Jesus has done for you. And who knows, maybe that becomes a group of two or three that you meet on Monday morning. Maybe it's a weeknight at nine o'clock. Maybe that works better for you. You're able to get the kids in bed, your husband's going to bed, and you can head out, or your wife's going to bed, and you can head out. I don't know. But the question is, are you able and willing? Are you willing and able to make disciples where you're at? Because I'm telling you, here's, here's the thing as a pastor. And I used to sit out in the pews, and I used to think, well, if we just did things like this, the church would grow. But can I tell you why the church grows? The church grows when the people own the vision and take responsibility of the vision and accomplish the mission that God gave them in the first place. That's how a church grows. And I'll be honest with you, I would rather see that because you know what a pastor loves to do? A pastor loves to brag on his people. Because when he sees his people, the people that I love, the people that I'm serving, the people I want to lead and grow and disciple as well, when I see you take it on, you know what's the most encouraging thing? Matter of fact, when I get together with other pastors, you know what we oftentimes share? What are the successes you're seeing in your church? 
And trust me, there's some of you I brag on. I'll be like, man, this, this guy or this lady stepped up to play. This is what we're doing. And, and we always celebrate those things. But I'm telling you, it's not going to happen if we only rely upon one or two people. Owning the vision is a part of the membership. When you are a member of the church, you own the vision or you should own the vision. Matter of fact, our new members class starting next week. If you're not a member, you're interested in becoming a member, you don't have to go to the class um, or you don't have to become a member if you go to the class. We'll give you that opportunity. But if you are not a member of the church, we want to encourage you to go through. It's three weeks and we're going to cover some stuff like this. I want to ask you that. Do you own the vision? Do you live it out? Can you take it with you? Can you take the truth of Jesus Christ with you to where you are? Because preaching means to herald it. And listen to what he says. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? And what I want you to understand is this, that you are sent. You are commissioned. That's the point of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. You have been released. You have been empowered. The same power that was in Jesus Christ. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth was given to me. And because it was given to me, I give it to you through the Spirit. That's one of the things we see throughout Scripture, that the power that was in Jesus Christ is the same power that's in the Spirit. And that same power that's in the Spirit is the same power that's in you. The problem is a lot of times, what do we do? We just squash it down. We don't let the power of the Spirit rise up within us. We just got to keep it wrapped. Why? Because, well, I don't want to be a fanatic. I don't want to be a freak. I don't want somebody to shut me down or cut me off or not. Do you think the power of the Holy Spirit can overcome somebody's problems? Can the power of the Holy Spirit overcome their hatred of Christianity? Can the power of the Spirit overcome the very bigotry that we see within society. And I'm going to say this from both sides because I've gone on and I've done some investigating from a far left and a far right side. If you're on either one of those sides, you got problems, massive problems. We stood up against Nazis in World War II and we stood up against communism. And if you're part of Antifa or you support the Antifa movement, you need to check it out. Because it's honestly disgusting. But if you're a part of communist or, or, or Nazis and KKK, you, you got to check yourself because that is completely anti-gospel as well. But I want you to understand what takes place. We cannot squash, we cannot cater to, we cannot sit back, we can't be silent because not every, everybody else isn't being silent. We have to stand with the truth of the gospel and let people see who Jesus is. And I believe this wholeheartedly, that God is calling you to be a part of a mission that he is already carrying out. He has called us as a church to be a part of a mission that he is already carrying out. One of the things I am most encouraged by here in Independence is the fact that God is using churches in the area to experience growth, to see people come to Christ, to see people baptized, and churches are making a difference in Independence. I love that fact. I've been in areas where the city and the schools want nothing to do with the churches. And what I'm telling you is the city is begging for churches to, to, to rise up. 
to step up, to fulfill the mission. When I met with the mayor, I said, what can we do? And she said, be the church. Start looking for those who are poor and in need. Start partnering with and helping those people out. Stand up against the things. Stand out on what you're doing. When the mayor says that to me, you know what that says? We are in desperate need for the church to be the church. And when we own the vision, when we take on what the church has called us to take on, we experience what God wanted us to experience in the first place. Because listen to what he says. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring, not bad news, good news. You get to take part in, benefit from the fact that you are fulfilling, are owning the vision and fulfilling the mission. Do you understand that? Do we understand that part? Like you, you guys get that picture. You, you have a benefit from being owner. Every owner of a business has a benefit, right? He gets the profits. He has people work for him. He gets the profits from the people who work for him. When you are an owner in the mission of Jesus Christ, guess what you get? Guess what you get? You get the profits. You get the joys you get the blessings, you get the encouragement of seeing people come to Christ, lives change, reach people with Christ, go back. I mean, it's a multiplying effort. And I think about this, what if? That was our sermon title today, what if? What if you were faithful and you reached one and then you reached another? Let's just say you reached three and those three reach three. And those three reach three. It's the law of multiplication, not addition, multiplication. What if that happens in your life? What happens as a result? You gain friendships, you gain encouragement, you gain leadership, you gain influence, you gain impact, you gain love, you gain, when we're right back to the relationships again, it's an ongoing process. And I don't know about you, but at the end of the world or at the end of time or when I die, I don't want to be somebody that people look back and go, man, you know what? That guy really didn't amount to much. And I won't make this sound bad, but I've done plenty of funerals that when I talked to family, said, what happened? And they said, well, you didn't do anything. That's one of the most devastating things to me when I have to do a funeral in the family. I'm like, what, what's a good story? I don't have a good story about him. Okay, good memory? Nope, ain't got one of those. All right, what they do positive for it? They really didn't do anything positive. I'm sorry, and I, look, I've done, I'm serious. I can, I can think of three of them that I've done in the last year and a half. It's absolutely devastating to have the very people that you're closest to tell you, I don't know anything that good this person did. And honestly, two of the people I didn't even know personally and you know what it does to my heart? It's like ripping it out. And it's like, what did this guy live for? And so the challenge, church, is this. Own the vision. And our vision is leading people to believe the truth of Jesus Christ, to belong to a cause bigger than themselves, to become all that God created them to be and to be sent to their neighbor's and the nations. Matter of fact, put up that next slide, Pat. I think I got a picture of it up there. 
Very simply, you're going to see this over and over and over again. This is our vision in a very simple, symbolic way. Believe the truth of Jesus Christ to belong. Next week, we're going to talk about this. Belonging to a cause bigger than ourselves. Belonging to the church. What church membership means. What it means to be a part of the body. What it means to be a part of the fellowship. To become everything that God wanted me to be. That means there's a continual process, a growth process that God is taking me through. Because I don't arrive... You're not going to arrive. It's not going to be like, oh, I get to a certain point. I, I am complete. I am done. No, when you're dead, you're done. When you're dead, you've arrived. But you can't give up. You continue in this process of becoming all that God created you to be. And regardless of your age, God is still in the process of making you who you are. My grandma is 90, both of my grandmas are 92 years old. And one of them, my grandpa died the day we got married. So he's been dead 17 years, August 12th. So just a couple weeks ago. And I'll, when I talk to my grandma, she's always like, I just don't know why Lord's leaving me around here. I'd just rather go to heaven and be with your grandpa. But I want you to understand this, regardless of your age, God's plan is always bigger than your plan. And we can't stop growing and we can't stop making disciples just because we've gotten older or busier. We continue in the process. And the last thing, all of us are sent. Matter of fact, I'm working on right now, I'm working with a sign company and maybe you've seen it in the past, but we're going to have signs put as you come in the church. We're looking at getting some signs made up so that when you leave the church, you know you are now launched you are sent out into your community because it doesn't stop here. It carries on in your daily life, day in and day out. Here should just be an overflow of what God's doing in your life. You come in, you get filled up, you get renewed, you get excited, you get encouraged. You take that encouragement, you take that joy from God's word and you take it out and you fill other people up. So I wanna ask you that question. Are you sold on the mission? Are you bought in? Are you committed to owning the vision? Because God uses the obedience of his people to the mission. And he has given them as a catalyst for his blessing in their lives and churches. He wants to bless us through that. And I just want to ask you that. Do you own the vision? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that you in your loving grace and your mercy sent your son Jesus to die on the cross. And in the midst of his death, he bore the weight of the sins of the world and he carried our sins. But God, we thank you for the fact that his blood washes away our sins. It removes them. It makes us white as snow. And God, when he did that, when his, with his death on the cross, he paid the payment we couldn't pay so that we might live in him. And God, we thank you for the fact that he did not stay dead. He was not trapped in the grave, but God, he rose again. And he offers us life in him. And so God, I pray today that maybe there's somebody here who's never put their faith and trust in Christ, never walked and in, 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 in said, look, I, I believe that in my heart and I confess it with my mouth and I wanna make it known. God, maybe today there's somebody here who says, I've confessed it, but I haven't been baptized. And what we see in your great commission is just a simple fact that when they put their faith and trust in Christ, that they are to then be baptized just as an outward sign of an inward commitment. 
And so maybe today that's you. Maybe that's you where you're at. Maybe you just need to come forward and say, I want to schedule a time where I can be baptized, that I can make it public. And maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe you've already been baptized. You put your faith and trust in Christ. You are a believer. Or maybe you haven't stepped up in the ownership part. Maybe today you just simply need to be where you're at. You need to commit to step into a ministry, become an owner within the body of the church. And with that ownership, realize that you don't stop with what you're doing here, but you take it out and make disciples where you're at. Father, we pray today, just as we close with this song, as we celebrate what you've done, God, that you would convict, that your spirit would guide us, that you would call us to what you want us to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray.